0: Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Bed Online, Deal Dash, Sunday Ticket, and Blue Wire and Manscaped lots of presenting sponsors this week and we are in the middle of august uh we are a couple weeks in almost getting a little bit closer to the nfl season i am reunited with my lovely co-host dan Sanyo back in the booth this evening how's it going Dan?
1: we made it back a couple week hiatus uh Definitely, would rather be doing this than than what was occurring uh, uh, on the other side. So yes, definitely, definitely glad to be here. Definitely fortunate to have the. i have over a handful of sponsors. We're we're apparently doing something right. Blue Wire is doing something right. Roto is doing something right. So we're 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 happy about all of that and happy to have a wonderful guest as well. We do have a wonderful guest, and it is our friend and uh, Scott uh, it is Scott
0: Connor, and I will introduce Scott by saying. He is in one of our TradeCast listener leagues, and there, here's a throwback. He's not the first person in a TradeCast listener league to become a guest on the TradeCast, and it is because we used to have these things called TradeCast quickies or something like that. TradeCast, like uh, trade, we called it trade quick something or one hit, quick one hitter or quick hitter, or something like that. And we just like had uh, people who made trades in the come on and talk for 10 minutes uh it lasted for like three times like okay we're not doing this anymore anyways yeah. all that to say welcome scott connor to the dice trade cast
2: yeah guys glad to be here uh looking forward to talking some preseason. uh looks like we're gonna go over a couple divisions and uh yeah i've been listening for a real long time so glad to be here and uh, getting ready to talk some dynasty theory
0: and some dynasty strategy Awesome. So, yes, uh, Scott alluded to it. We're, we've gone from the NFC West and AFC West last week. Check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. And this week we are going to go to the other side of the country, the AFC East and the NFC East. And we will start with the AFC East with our FFPC stat attack. The newly minted, newly signed Lamar Miller has signed with the New England Patriots. And Dan Sanyo
1: has our FFPC stat attack on Lamar Miller. That is right. One of my all-time favorites, Uh, just eternal plotter, Lamar Miller. And our stat attack this week is that prior to losing 2019 to injury, Lamar Miller logged five straight 1,000 all-purpose yard seasons. Impressive, all of which he had a minimum of 870 yards on the ground. For the most part, when he was utilized through the air, the numbers were there. And this just makes it really enjoyable for another lovely Patriots backfield where we get confused all the time.
0: Speaking of lovely, our friends at the FFPC, they are the loveliest. They're always great supporters of RotoViz. And you should support them by getting in the fantasy game, redraft, dynasty, best ball, everything you can have or want from a fantasy perspective. The FFPC has it. Make sure to get involved in all their contests, from low stakes to high stakes, from big tournaments to, to you know normal 12-team leagues. Pretty much, if your brain is thinking, what can I do for fantasy? The FFPC has got it going for you, so make sure to check out the FFPC. They're always great supporters of Rotovis, and we always appreciate them, so support them. All right, let's head into some of Lamar Miller talk. Like I, I said, that they... They signed Lamar Miller as well as putting uh, Sony Michelle on the personally unable to or no, personally physically unable to perform <laughs> list. <laughs> He's Personal. pers- personally unable to perform. We have another ad for that one, but um, <laughs> oh, wow. um, so Lamar Miller, uh, Dan, you kind of were spouting your love for one Lamar Miller. Do you think that he uh, is unbroken and can perform in this New England offense?
1: I mean, I think anyone can perform in the New England offense. I think we've seen that over time. The issue is, is all of the mouths, Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit pre-show about it probably being an indictment on one of Sony, Michelle, or Damian Harris, or potentially both of them that they're not comfortable enough with either, obviously with Sony being on the pop list. And we don't really know what Damian Harris is as an NFL player. He was very good in college. We did get to see that, but that's our most recent sample. And you know, kind of a, a freshman season in the NFL, not really doing anything. Uh, James White's still there, so obviously your your receiving upside is pretty much capped. So basically, Lamar Miller is here to be older, better football player, worse athlete. Sony Michelle.
2: No, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, when I saw this signing come through today, I mean, I've been adding Lamar Miller in leagues all off season. I mean, he's been cutting some leagues, uh, trying to get shares just for exactly this reason. I don't. I don't necessarily think that he's him landing here is going to mean he has a ton of fantasy value, but I do think this season, I expect there to be more variants than ever. I mean, if the season goes off, I think we're going to see more variants. We're going to see more, more players relevant. So I'm looking for a player like Lamar Miller. I mean, you guys remember he came into the league. What was he? A fourth round pick came into the league as a 205 pound satellite back and early in his career, people complained he didn't get enough work. And then transformed his body into now, you know, he's 220 pounds plus. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, he's he's almost turned into, I always joke, he's kind of like the new Frank Gore, where I can see him lasting for another three or four years and just being a guy that's a reliable ball carrier. So I'm happy the shares that I have, you know, there's a potential that, you know, I think one thing we're going to see this year, we're going to see guys like this, players that don't have any dynasty value, they may have value in the season just because they're available. They're healthy. They're active. Players scoring points, I think, are going to find value this year in years where in past nobody would have traded anything for him. So I think it's good. I think it's probably more of an indictment on uh, personally on Damian Harris. I think that um, Sonny Michel kind of is what he is. The Patriots know he's not reliable, but they knew about this injury for a long time. So why sign Lamar Miller in August? You know, they didn't really bring anybody else in before this. So it just makes me wonder if. There's just something about Harris where he just doesn't get it. So I would say it's an indictment more on him. And uh, Michelle would be a guy I'd actually target if he gets really cheap for the second half of the season for the same reason.
0: Yeah, I don't. It, it's easy to say I don't want anyone in the New England backfield, but I yeah. don't really want anyone in the New England backfield. I, I, I like you will take a uh, you know a stab at uh, Sony Michelle for basically free. You know, first round draft capital yada yada yada. But. And in terms of the Lamar Lamar Miller signing, it does show that they're at least scared to give the reins to Damian Harris, which is something I I thought they would at least consider doing. And they might still do it. I I, I don't think that signing Lamar Lamar Miller means that they're not going to give the touches to Harris. I think they're going to at least give him a shot to perform because they can easily just make Lamar Miller be an RB2 who doesn't play much. It's not like signing him to whatever they're doing is like, okay, we're going to give Lamar Miller X amount of touches. Now, if Lamar Miller performs like the back had five straight seasons of a thousand plus uh you know total yards then he's going to be playing over uh damon harris but it's just a matter of is the lamar miller in his late 20s coming off torn acl going to have that ability you know this latest career
1: no doubt and i think another a potential pivot there even is especially in full ppr leagues i mean james white potentially could see a decrease in value from this adding another running back into a backfield even if nobody else is going to touch any of those of those passes i mean who else is going to catch passes in new england yeah obviously julian edelman looks strong he's still a really good football player questions are still out on the harry we don't know outside of that i mean it's probably going to be a team that's going to have to throw a lot because in, almost their entire defense has already opted out of the season so
0: and and to close out the patriots on one thing it, it may sound oversimplifying but a lot of people are saying, oh, the Patriots are tanking with all the opt-outs and all this stuff. But a team isn't tanking if they sign Cam Newton and Lamar Miller. Like, if they were tanking, they would have rolled out Jared Stidham and Damian Harris and finished 2-14. and 14. Um, But they're not tank Like, I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team, but they aren't, like, trying to be bad. Because if they, if they are trying to be bad, they're not very good at it because they're signing veterans that are going to perform for them.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Just one thing on Lamar Miller, if you just look at his numbers, I mean, he isn't a prolific pass catcher, but I mean, just, just looking at his last six seasons where he's been healthy. I mean, he's still been in the 40 target range or so. And then you look at Cam Newton, pre Christian McCaffrey, we're talking about target rate to running back 17% or lower every single season. So if you're throwing even, I don't know, 20, 30 targets in there for Lamar Miller, there's already a question mark on if Cam it is... Is James White an, enough of an elite receiver to where you say you build an offense around targets to him like you would Christian McCaffrey? Or is he just somebody that's going to be quarterback dependent? And then you throw Lamar Miller in there. So I actually think this hurts James White a little bit, uh, like Dan said, because even 20 targets away from potentially James White is big. Whereas I don't think Sony Michelle was any threat to take that. And Damian Harris, you know, we just don't know about that. So I think this hurts all the running backs, just makes it more muddy, like you guys said.
0: But I, I will say that I think that if there's one guy who's going to take, take the horns and you know be the lead runner here, I think it, it's Lamar at this stage um, until Harris proves otherwise at the NFL level. So let's move on to another AFC East team. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their running back grouping. They've spent uh, day two picks at the running back position in the last two seasons, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Dan, what are your thoughts on this RB duo? Is one of them a value? Are they both overvalued, undervalued? What are your thoughts on these two?
1: I think Singletary instantly became a value with the Moss pick. Um, I don't believe that Singletary is going to be any, any form of a bell cow, but I believe he's good enough where all of his touches will be meaningful enough that even with a smaller workload, potentially maybe only getting that 15, 16 touches per game is... I mean, I, I think he's going to be able to at least be fantasy relevant. And I think his price has slid even a little bit lower than someone who is only going to get 15 or 16 touches. I don't really think Zach Moss is going to be fantasy relevant. He'd be probably going to see more of the red zone usage, if anything. But um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Singletary fan. I still think he's a good player. Obviously, it's not great <laughs> for for someone when your team spends another relatively high pick on your position on a running back. So uh, it could get a little bit messy, but I still think that Singletary is going to be a nice value and is definitely the back to own here.
2: Man, I disagree. I think uh, I looked back. I tracked some running back data from the last 10 years uh, of running backs that did not produce a top 24 season in their rookie year that were basically day two picks or higher. And then the following season had a day two running back added to their backfield. Uh, two names in the last 10 years.
0: Uh, they're, they're not okay, friendly. Hold on, I'll stop. How big is the data set of day two or higher picks that also have a day two or higher pick the next year? Like, Is that like a data set of four?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's a decent number of them in there, but the, the key the key is not producing the top 24 season oh, in their rookie sure. year. If they did it, they're most likely not going to have a guy drafted right behind them. So that I guess that's the thing. If you look last year and say, I'm sure you can make the numbers work where if you took certain splits, you could probably say Singletary, you know, produced at a day two or a, a you know, top 24 rate. But the other two names were, you know, Jeremy Langford and uh, Trey Mason. So, I mean, they're just those two comps. I, I guess I just look at this and say, we've heard the narrative about, you know, Josh Allen's going to get the goal line carry. Zach Moss might get the goal line carry. So I'm looking at Singletary saying, you know, are there other players in the same range I'd rather have? And I, I just think there'd be other bets I'd rather take. I don't necessarily want Moss, uh, but I would definitely look to, to pivot off of Singletary. I mean, I'd rather have Ronald Jones over Singletary. I'd rather get something like A.J. Dillon plus for Singletary. I'd rather just kind of hit the reset button if I could instead of investing in him.
0: I, I, I think both guys are pretty undervalued right now uh, I, I, because I think that both are being valued like neither of them will be the number one back. And that's that's more than likely that's what's going to happen. But there is upside there if one of them takes the lead role. And I think for the most part, the the, the, the favor there is Sam I think that he's the better back. Um, but also in an injury situation, I think both of, either of them could become, you know, a workhorse type, you know, 20 touches a game at the running back position. And uh, with uh, Sean Siegel a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, zero RB targets. And a lot of times you're looking for guys, Guys who can take the lead role when an injury happens. You talk about Zach Moss is the perfect guy for that. If Singletary gets hurt, Zach Moss is getting 20, 20 touches a game. Like with, with the draft capital he has and, and with what's behind him on the depth chart, there's not really much stopping Zach Moss after a Singletary injury. So I think that both guys are being fairly undervalued. I would say Singletary is being valued as like a mid-second, maybe early second. And then Moss being valued as a late second. That's both, both prices I'd be paying right now.
1: Before I move on, uh, I will go back and defend Singletary just a bit. Uh, He played 12 games, had 150 carries, plus he also had 29 receptions. You pace that out for a full season, you're looking at 200 carries and about 40 catches. He would have been a running back, too, had he played a full season, in my opinion. Obviously, only getting 12 games in doesn't help, but he was on pace for it.
0: All right, let's go south to the Miami Dolphins, and we'll talk about their quarterback room. Now, there is isn't really much discussion from a long-term perspective about this room. We know that Fitzpatrick is likely to start the season and that Tua is going to take the reins at some point. Um, but we'll start off with the guy that's you know, kind of the question mark here. Is there any hope for Josh Rosen getting a shot to compete for a starting job ever again? We'll start with Scott.
2: Man, this has been a tough one, because I, I don't have a lot of Rosen shares, but there's a couple that are hanging out there, and he's one of those where you get to your roster and you kind of just wonder, like, what do I do with him? Because <laughs> you don't, you don't want to cut him just because the news could come any day that he gets traded somewhere, and you're like, okay, now he's a fairly high leverage backup. You know, there I think that we talked earlier about the, uh, the variance that can happen this year. You know, one thing I've been big on is super flex leagues, turning some of these bottom roster spots into, you know, I want some of the... You know, I've, if you consider a guy to be a top 15 backup, I want them this year just because we could see a bunch of quarterbacks ruled out at the last minute. So, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, as soon as you cut him or as soon as you move him for nothing, he could get moved to another place. But it just kind of makes you wonder because he's he's simply just buried right now. And I guess from Miami's perspective, he's still on a rookie contract. What, what incentive do they have to move on from him right now? You know what I mean? Maybe next year. But yeah, he's just kind of in no man's land. So I, I think that the move has to happen you know, sometime in the, the next six months or otherwise you're kind of wondering how long can you hold him on a roster.
1: It's really getting to that point now where I'm, I'm close to losing all hope. I, I was kind of on the fence when it all happened. And then, I mean, he just – can we – is there anything close to as raw of a deal as he's gotten to start a career? for anyone ever i i don't i can't think of anything on top of my head where
0: D- a guy just are
1: maybe yeah yeah he got screwed via roster build i mean that these teams whether it's i mean the dolphins obviously haven't really done a whole lot but i mean the, the cardinals they didn't they didn't even give him a chance he hasn't had any form of opportunity i it's crazy to me i i mean such high draft capital he showed definitely enough in college to be at least a competent NFL player, maybe not a high-end quarterback or a quarterback of the future. But, I mean, not getting anything at all out of a rookie contract for a first-round quarterback is, is I mean, it's beyond me to be completely honest. Like Scott said, I think the move's got to happen soon. And if it doesn't, then I, I think we might be in, in trouble. I, I still think someone's going to bring him on board post-rookie contract. But Rosen also also seems like someone that kind of has the I don't need football mindset, so he might just be done, and and that also could be part of why he hasn't gotten to play. Yep, maybe he's kind of he just doesn't care. Uh, it's it's weird. It's definitely weird. Yeah, and
0: we try not to like buy into like you know things we see like this, but like it's just so weird that the Dolphins, a team that really shouldn't have had any business trying to win football games, went out of their way to. Not play him like you know it, they didn't benefit from Ryan Fitzpatrick winning them a couple games. They they did the opposite. They lost from it and ended up they two ended up falling in their laps. But I, I I just feel like he must be so bad. Like there's no way he's not bad for them to purposefully say, okay, we're going to ignore the possibility we have here just to throw out this 34 year old Ryan Fitzpatrick.
2: Well, I mean, you have teams like you know the Bengals were looking for a talented backup and they signed Brandon Allen. <laughs> and a guy, a guy that doesn't have a lot more experience than somebody like Rosen. I mean, what would be the acquisition cost for an NFL team to get Rosen at this point? Seventh-round pick? Sixth-round pick at best? I mean, it's a free stab, pretty much.
0: But, but like you said, and um, we'll close out Rosen on this talk and head into two in a second, but there, there's no benefit to the Dolphins giving up for that seventh-round pick. Like They're like, right. if you want to give us a day-two pick, sure, we'll take it, but I don't see anyone doing that at this point. And as we head into Chua and Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, let's hear from our friends over at Manscaped.
1: The Dynasty Tradecast on RotoViz is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And for me, all of the other products have always been far, far inferior. Thankfully, Manscaped, you know, they stepped it up a notch. They redesigned the electric trimmer so guys like me don't have to have those horrible mistakes like we were having. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave and take your time. The waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb if you are listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it firsthand for yourself trim that junk of yours get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code RODOVIZ, and you do this at manscaped.com again RodoViz gets you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped, your balls will thank you.
0: And now we're talking about the guys who will be playing football for the Dolphins if football is happening in 2020. We have Tua Tagabola and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Scott, do you think that Tua is a week one starter or do you think that they will play the Ryan Fitzpatrick game for a few weeks?
2: I think you kind of hit on it earlier. I think they're going to roll with Fitzpatrick for, you know, until it, until it collapses. I mean, I think that the thing is, you don't know when the collapse is going to be. I actually just took him in a startup uh, 20th round and it was a team where basically I had punted the first year and I'm just looking for cheap points. But, you know, you're playing chicken with, if you have him, how long do you hold him? Because at any point, you know, the, the, the plug could be pulled out from under him and it's, and it's completely gone. And the only time he gets back in is if there's an injury to Tua. So I actually like him for, uh, you know, if you're almost punting quarterback this year, I think you can probably get maybe half half a dozen starts out of him this year. But you never know. I mean, he, he could get benched within two weeks. You know, If he starts the season throwing six interceptions in two games, it's just over. So, I mean, I think he's going to start. And I, uh, you know, I don't see a reason to rush Tua in there, despite, you know, even if his health is 100%. One,
0: one thing I will say about Fitzpatrick is that when he's been playing with young quarterbacks recently, there's been a back and forth. There's been like the Rosen, Fitzpatrick, Rosen, (laughs) and then there's been the Winston, Fitzpatrick, Winston. There's not going to be a back and forth here. The minute Tua steps in, he's not going back to the bench. Like the Dolphins aren't that dumb. They may have, you know, wasted their time by benching Rosen. They're not going to bench Tua Tagovola.
1: Yeah. The fan, the fan base won't allow it. it. I think, I think Fitz, you know, however much of a wild card he is, w- whether it be production or just whatever, it, he's only going to last as long as as the, the you know the front office can listen to to a chance. It, you know, it, it's <laughs> well they're going to be ch- they're going to
0: be a chance this year, Dan.
1: Well, what you know, it, well, that's in Florida. They're going to have crowds, so <laughs> it, I think it it only is as long as as they can deal with not having two on the field. To be completely honest, and you know, Fitz is, he's really good or really bad. There's not really any in between. So for fantasy purposes, if we can, uh, you know, if we can get a, eight games out of him, I think that would be a big win. I think he's a really fantastic value for just kind of a nice QB three or four on a super flex roster. But I mean, he's not going to be of any value for long-term, but he kind of just keeps showing up. So maybe he's, he's got another 10 years under his belt or something.
2: I think that one strategy would be as soon as he does cede the job to Tua, I, I would almost go and try to buy him right at that point and say, you know, because what, what if Tua comes in and gets hurt? That, I mean, that's, that's the big concern is injuries with him. So what if Tua comes in and gets hurt and then Fitzpatrick's back in? I mean, you guys have probably realized over the years that it always seems like the, the job always finds Fitzpatrick at weird times during the season. It's Always. like everything goes right where he's starting again. I mean, there's been years where he comes in and he's clearly not a starter, but somehow he ends up starting, you know, like 11 games, like just the injuries go the right way for him. So I think as soon as people start dumping him, as soon as Tua starts, I think Nathan's right. He's not going back in, but I would buy him then, you know, I'd start selling, I'd start buying him for fab dollars or fourth round yep.
0: picks. Nope. just because. When, when Rosen got his first start last year, Fitzpatrick was dumped in, like, all of my Superflex dynasty leagues, and I went picking those up, and I benefited toward the end of the season because yep. he was getting all those garbage time points. Yep. Now, uh, when Tua when does get in the ballgame, whether it's in Week 4 or Week 8, you're going to want to get, have yourself the NFL Sunday ticket so you can watch yourself some Tua. What are your thoughts on
1: that, Dan? sunday Sunday, sundays are coming back in the nfl with nfl sunday Ticket.TV, you can stream every live out-of-market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels you'll never miss your favorite teams and favorite players no matter where you live nfl sunday Ticket.TV is your key to the most glorious sundays ever Use the promo code BlueWire. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayticket.tv and use promo code Bluewire.
0: righty, let's round out the AFC East with the New York J-E-T-S Jets Jets Jets. As longtime listeners of the show know, I am a Sam Darnold advocate, a Sam Darnold fan. But I will say, 2020, if there is 2020, it is the last chance for Sam Darnold. He is going to have to play well, the Jets are going to have to win games, or Sam Darnold is done being a starter in the National Football League. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you, because I know Dan's thoughts. (laughs) Do you think Sam Darnold revives his career in year three or it heads towards the end?
2: I mean, I guess the question is, I mean, what is it, how how would you define reviving his career? I mean, I don't think the situation is going to lend towards him. He's not going to turn the team around to a point where we say, you know, that this is Sam Darnold's team. They're going to thrive under the, I think we all anticipate there's going to be a regime change at some point in the next year or two. So I guess the question is, can he last with a regime change? Can he play well enough to last with the regime change? Or, you know, can he just kind of stay afloat to where we're looking towards Sam Darnold at his second team? Because I'm not giving up on him long-term. I, I don't think he's in a Josh Rosen situation where, you know, if he has a bad season, he's not going to get another shot. I think he'll get a legitimate shot after he leaves the Jets. The question is, do you, him, do you want him to play well enough so that he doesn't get cast off entirely? Or do you want him to play good enough for himself, but also lead the team to, you know, another five and 11, four and 12 seasons. So the regime change happens. So I'm not giving up on him. I have a ton of Darnold shares. And the problem is everyone feels the same way. It's like, it's one year and done, you know, he doesn't have any security in the minds of dynasty owners. So he's really hard to pivot to other players.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I will say that with the amount of talent at the quarterback position in college ball right now, I I, th- I don't think that second Job is guaranteed for Arnold, whether it's with the Jets or or elsewhere. So I, I think he has to, and this is the, the thing that gets a little bit complicated because obviously quarterback play isn't directly correlated to to wins, but it's highly correlated to wins. And so it if the Jets are a five and 4 and twelve team, I, I think that you know at, at the app the best case scenario for Sam Darnold in this situation, no matter really how well he plays, if he has a you know a good season, still goes five and eleven. I I think that he pretty much is his best case scenario is like competing for a starting job. He's not going to be given a starting job next year. He'll be in a comp- in a competition for one. Um, I, I'm still optimistic about Sam Darwin. I think, I think that if you can lead them to a seven and nine, eight and eight season that they're going to say, okay, we saw some signs of growth and we're not going to invest the first round pick at quarterback. And we're going to see what we can do with adding freedoms at wide receiver and, and tight end as well, as well as the draft.
1: I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock you a little bit, Nathan. I'm going to give my most optimistic take on Sam Darnold I possibly can. Okay. He's not bad enough where he's just going to get cast off. He's not great enough where he's going to take over the team. I think he has enough ability. He isn't great. He isn't awful. He has enough ability where this team, whether it's on another contract, Whatever keeps him short term, midterm. I don't think he's a long term solution for any team, but he has enough to be a Ryan Fitzpatrick journeyman. If he really needs to be, he, he's not. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not, but he's good enough. So maybe for a franchise that is their franchise quarterback. You know what I mean? If he. If he can do enough, he's never going to be a big-time fantasy asset. I think we can see that, but I think he can be good enough where even if he's a low-end QB2, he's young enough where he's got enough years and enough potential points remaining where he might be a really good buy at this point in time because of how little he's going for.
0: Yeah, and the the problem is, and we talk about this all the time, that there are certain players that... The guy in his league is the truther. And I think that Sam Darnold owners are the truther at this stage, that they're the guy who invested the top six rookie pick in a super flex in him, And they're like, I'm not going to deal him for a second round pick. Why would I do that? Cause he's still, a for, he's still a starter and he's at least worth the first. And I don't think very many buyers are willing to pay that first. So um, I obviously a huge year for, for Sam Darnold and part of that will be his weapons. And so we have Brashad Perriman, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, I think that the obvious answer here is that Jamison Crowder leads the team in targets and Perriman and, and Mims end up you know, switching off the occasional big week. But this is a team that's going to have a high pass temps uh, and, and obviously Le'Veon Bell is going to get some targets as well. But uh, Scott, which of these wide receivers would you peg for, you know, not a breakout necessarily, but, you know, the most fantasy relevant season?
2: Can I say Chris Herndon instead?
0: No, <laughs> I th- he's terrible. Don't say that.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, look at what – I mean, I know it's only one season because basically last year was a complete wash. But I don't know. I mean, it's funny because Crowder gets this reputation as being a steady floor PPR guy. But if you look at his numbers last year, he had four wide receiver one weeks last year. And then he had a ton of weeks that was outside the top 36. I mean, he was almost the definition of a boomer bust receiver last year. So I think it's really uh, the targets are up in the air. I agree with you. It's going to be a high pass volume offense. But, you know, I also would look at it and say probably the one I would buy right now at his cost would probably be Herndon of of the three. I mean, of the four. I I don't really want to buy Mims. I was off Mims. He's an older prospect. He's going to play his entire rookie season. He'll be 24 by next summer that's not who I want to invest in, in this rookie class. I'd much rather have Chenault, much rather have Brian Edwards. So, I mean, I'm, I'm off Mims. I mean, even if he comes out and has a decent season, I don't think the flip value on him is nearly as high as it's going to be on some of the other receivers in the class. So I'm just not really interested in the receivers here. I mean, maybe we go really deep. Vincent Smith could be a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, (laughs) but no, I'm not. I think that, um, if there's a buy, I think it's Herndon. I mean, he's going outside the top 20 at tight end. I mean, he's in the same range as Ian Thomas, Blake Jarwin, all those kind of guys. I mean, I think there might be the same opportunity or better for him than versus other guys.
1: Yeah, I'm on board with the Herndon call. And and Nathan, I, I think you kind of mentioned the boomer bust offense. And obviously, uh, Scott, you mentioned James, uh, Jameson Crowder's boomer bust weeks. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can really put Paraman and Mims in that conversation because to me, those guys are gonna be the boomer bust types. So you take a boomer bust type in a boomer bust offense, and you're talking about like maybe four total weeks where they're even usable, and the rest of the season is just out. Paraman, in my mind, is a best ball asset only. I, I would have no interest in trying to to have him playing at any point in time on on a you know a lineup setting league uh mims i'm right with you scott on this one he he's not my kind of prospect i I don't think uh, the best one's going to work out for him i am a fan of crowder but not kind of where his price is starting to get because i think people are starting to figure out that he's potentially going to be the target leader Uh, i love the herndon pivot and honestly i think Le'Veon bell where his price has been isn't really bad for what's going to be a bell cow back for, I mean, if it's only one more year, it's only one more year, but still the, the pricing he's been getting is, has been really palatable, which I've been surprised by because historically he hasn't been palatable at all, even when he took a year off or almost took a year off.
0: Yeah. We, we, we've talked about how this offseason that Le'Veon Bell is one of the cheapest, you know, access to running back touches in the NFL. And the one negative here is that they might not be good touches. And the fact that, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, a pass heavy offense, which I guess targets would be, would be good touches, but he's not really going to get very many carries because they're going to be trailing so often. Uh, Scott, do you have any last thoughts on bell before we move on?
2: No, not really on bell, but I mean, I, I guess I look at Crowder and one of the things I've been kind of champion this off season is there are so many receivers in dynasty. I mean, look at, just take an ADP list and you go down the line, you're getting 60, 70 deep and there's names that I still want. So I look at Crowder and say, even on a team and people, people always look at me and will say, this doesn't make sense. Even on a team where I am a contender, he's the player I would sell at his draft pick cost or pivot off to a player that I like a little bit better. I mean, can you sell Crowder for Sammy Watkins in a pick or Robbie Anderson in a pick? I'd much rather have one of those guys and maybe shoot for a little more ceiling, but I think his price is a place where you can easily pivot off. You know, I'd almost rather have one of those guys in a lineup setting league because if I ever have to put him in, I may have a little bit higher of a ceiling. So uh, he's a sell for me even on contenders just because, I, I mean, what is his ultimate dynasty ceiling? I don't think he can go anywhere. Even if he has another great season, I don't think he can go any higher than it is.
0: All right. So we talked about the deals going on in the Jets offense. Now it's time to talk about our friends over at DealDash. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best. Most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works it's like an auction, but every item starts at zero dollars and it only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of other great discounts. Go to Deal Dash.com and use our, our offer code RotoViz, R O T O V I Z, or Deal Dash.FM slash RotoViz. That's Deal Dash.FM slash RotoViz, R O T O V I Z. All right, let's move on to the other East, and that is the NFC East. They are the other team that had some news this past week. We had Darius Geis uh, being arrested or turning himself in for uh, some domestic violence issues. And then immediately the Washington football team released him and thus became the hot takes of Twitter saying, it's uh, Antonio Gibson's backfield. It's Bryce Love's backfield. It's Adrian Peterson's backfield. It's about Adrian Peterson's 87th backfield he's had. In his <laughs> um, so Dan Senia, whose backfield is it?
1: Well, it, I'm, it's, it's another it's another one that I'm probably just gonna be most comfortable saying. A, I don't know, and B, I don't really want any of them at this point. There's a lot to like about Antonio Gibson. I mean, definitely explosive kind of brings a lot to the table from that aspect. I don't really think we know what he is as a between the tackles back. So that much, I, I don't really know what to, what to say there, but I think he can bring enough dynamic play where he'll definitely be usable. I think what we saw in Bryce Love in college was enough to think he can probably be a backup running back in the NFL. I know some folks think he has starter potential. I never really saw that. I, I saw more of your, more of your kind of not necessarily change of pace, but just, uh, just a, an okay football player that you, you don't really have to worry about when you're putting him in. He's not going to, not going to blow the doors off the place, but he's also not going to lose you the game. Uh, and then, you know, a hall of famer and Adrian Peterson, He's 97 and a half years old and obviously not going to have any dynasty value, but short-term, I mean, it's hard to say it's not his backfield who gets the the receiving opportunity that presents itself. Now I, I, it'd be hard not to lean Gibson to be completely honest, but until we really know more, until we hear things out of camp, if there is camp uh, or until we actually get to see it, it's going to be really hard. But, gibson's price is going to start to move up and and if you wait too long and you are interested you're probably not going to get anything for real cheap you probably already have to spend a second if not more to get him and i don't know if i'm willing to dabble if it keeps going up if it stays at a second like a mid second late second uh and somebody's just looking to sell because of the hype those are the types of deals i'm okay making but yeah it's it's going to be another weird another weird backfield where we're just going to kind of be guessing until they show us.
2: I think the issue now with Gibson is uh, mid-second, late-second was where it was before the Geist suspension or the Geist release. Now, yeah. I mean, I think by mid-August, you're going to see his price top 30 running back in Dynasty. I mean, up there, up there, maybe a little bit behind like Singletary, but right there with like Ronald Jones, right in that range. And, you know, you just look at 170 touches, 2323 yards, and 28 touchdowns in his college career. I mean, you just put that on paper in terms of how many fantasy points that is. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I was on Gibson before this. I won't buy him now. But the reason I was on him before this is we would agree, even with Geis there, this was a situation where at any given week, that backfield could be all over the place during the season. You can anticipate injuries. Maybe the coach just saying, hey, we're going to change it up. And Gibson's one of those guys where, let's say, I just pictured, you know, Redskins are two and five, and they're just like, hey, this Gibson guy's flashed. Let's go out there and just give him like 23 touches this week. And then he goes up and blows up. And then all of a sudden, Dynasty owners are like, I'll give you a future first right now. You know, he has that potential one game flip value that I want that type of a player. He has the profile that if he has one of those games, you know, there's somebody in your league that'll pay. So that's why I kind of want players like that. Maybe not believe in him long term, but I think he has the profile He's either CJ Proceis or he's David Johnson. Somewhere yeah. maybe in the middle, but I think those are the extremes. He may just never fire or, you know, hey, he's the next big thing.
1: I, I was going to say Amir Abdullah, that one game and all of a sudden, and for Amir Abdullah, it was that one play in a preseason game and all of a sudden, boom, skyrocket. I, I can totally see that happening. That That's, I mean, that's very comfortably in the realm of possibilities.
0: Yeah, my, my thoughts on, on Gibson here are that, He's a wide receiver playing the running back position and he is going into an offense. That's going to be pass heavy. We talked about the jets being pass heavy Washington football teams, even be more pass heavy because they are projected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, sadly for my Dwayne Haskins shares. But I I will say that, you know, if there's going to be a workhorse in this backfield, weirdly, I think it's him. I don't think Peterson has it in him anymore. Clearly I was proven wrong last year because he was basically the workhorse in 2019, but I, I don't think in the year of 2020 we're going to see Adrian Peterson get the majority of touches in the backfield. So I, I think Gibson makes his way in, into being the RB1. I have some very minor hope for my Bryce Love shares, uh, but I think that's more of just like hoping that a lottery ticket cashes and it most likely won't. Dan, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on Love?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. I, I just feel like more he's, he's... – you're not hoping for fantasy points. You're hoping that he sticks on the roster at this point. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if he gets the shot, maybe he does something with it because like I said, I mean, he's, he's a good enough football player. He's not great. He's, you know, he's fine. (laughs) He's hit. He's an RB two in my mind. That's, that's, that's just what I, what I took away from him, you know, through the whole process, watching him at school. uh, I saw, I saw enough where he absolutely should be an NFL player, but I I don't see a starting NFL running back.
0: All right. Now, before we head into our next team, let's who we can bet on on bet online.
1: Sports are back, or at least they're slowly coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back, and there's no better place to start wagering than on our exclusive partners, bet online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code bluewire that's b l u e w i r e to receive your new welcome bonus. Again, promo code bluewire. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
0: All right, now let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh their wide receiver core was the talk of the offseason with Amari Cooper signing the 100 million dollar contract and uh Cee Lamb being selected in the top 20 in the NFL draft and Michael Gallup being one of the better wide receivers in the NFL last year, so uh, my takeaway from from their draft pick of CD Lamb was that they don't see Michael Gallup as a long term option. They, they I'm guessing they don't plan on re signing him when his contract is up because they'll be have be so invested in the wire receiver position with Lamb and, and Cooper. Now, obviously, we have a couple more years left. Are you bailing on your Michael Gallup shares, or do you think that you know it's just not worth the juice isn't worth the squeeze with what you can get for him in a trade right now?
2: I think Gallup, as soon as they drafted Lamb, was one of the best buys in Dynasty. I've been buying him all summer. Uh, just simply because you look at, even with the coaching change, I mean, I went back and just looked at the the usage for the, the receivers under Mike McCarthy. And even the number three option, uh, the last five years in Green Bay and got over 80 targets. And so I think that does make... I see actually Gallup being a guy that's being disrespected not only in in redraft leagues, but I think in Dynasty too. I mean, I don't think there's a I think it's a non-zero chance that they dump Amari Cooper and they sign Michael Gallup. And it's Michael Gallup C D Lamb going forward, not the other way around. So I, I think that, he's but a that, solid but why
0: did why did they sign him to a hundred million dollar contract then?
2: But look at the structure of that contract. They can get out of that contract pretty soon. It's not I don't think he's gonna be there for five it was a five year deal. I don't think he's gonna be there for five years. I mean I guess it just depends I think Gallup is right in that range you know one of my one of my taglines is wide receivers don't matter especially the deeper you get in leagues you can start seven eight receivers you're really just looking for there's a bunch of wide receiver twos through wide receiver fours that are all the same every single year you're you're basically just following the situation and I look at Dallas and say they're going to be in the top eight pass attempts this year and the other thing is their usage tree is really very slim they don't use a lot of players they don't have a bunch of target leeches on their teams. It's going to be Gallup. It's going to be Cooper. It's going to be Jarwin Pollard Zeke. That's it. And then basically what, whatever lamb is, but they don't have, you know, they're not like some of these teams that run out five or six receivers, three or four tight ends. It's, it's very predictable. So I think he's pretty much a lock for a hundred plus targets. So I'll buy that at his current price.
1: Most definitely, and and Dak had right around that 600 attempt mark last year. Just looking at the numbers from 2019, Amari had 119 targets. Gallup had 113. Randall Cobb had 83. Jason Witten, or the ghost of Jason Witten, had 83. Zeke had 71. Jarwin had 41. Everybody else had fewer than 25. I mean, all three of the guys, all three of the wide receivers, I think for at least the next two years – are going to be 100-plus target receivers. I don't think there's any any way around it. When My, my original take when they drafted Lamb was someone was going to be cast out. I don't think that's going to be the case in the short term. I think they're going to take full advantage of these guys. I think they're going to get every bit of tread off the Amari tires that they can before they have their opt-out, which they do, I believe, in 2022. I, I don't know if that's exact. Uh, I believe that was the structure, like, Scott, you, you alluded to, we could see them dump Amari and Dak the same season. I, I, I see a franchise tag on Dak for a couple seasons. And if they can't come to terms, they might roll forward with their younger wide receivers, even though Amari's not old. In a couple of years, he'll be a little bit older, obviously. But. It, rolling forward with Gallup and Lamb versus all three of them and having hefty contracts on all three because you'll be hefty on all three because, like you said, Nathan, Gallup was very good last year and Scott, like you said, it, I mean he's been a great buy. It, he proved everything he needed to prove last year. He was great, and they get Lamb and all of a sudden, well, Gallup's out. Nah, nah. I, I think I think I'm I'm 100 with Scott on this. I think he's probably the most firmly planted. Obviously they spent a, a high end pick on CD lamb, but Gallup's the guy, man. He's, he's strong and he's now in, in dynasty terms, he has got really cheap, really fast. And I, I think for pretty poor reasoning, I think we all, we all overreacted. We need to react, but we all overreacted at first. And I think the smart people like Scott figured it out faster than most.
0: See, I, I agree that he's probably undervalued right now I but I'm just I'm having a tough time finding the road to his like long-term viability and it's basically the long, the road is mari Cooper getting cut um, and I'm not sure if that's you know any sort of a guarantee but and there, there's obviously viability he said 80 targets uh, for the wire zero three and the Mike McCarthy offense but I I just don't I feel like there's so much limited upside with you know, sharing a wide receiver group with those two. Let's go on to the Giants. We'll play a game of sophomore star, sophomore slump, Daniel Jones edition. Daniel Jones uh, was basically uh, Josh Allen 2.0, uh, terrible in real life football, good for fantasy football. Uh, so, so Scott, are you buying in on Daniel Jones in fantasy, or are you wary of his bad footballness?
2: I think you have to buy in just because – you know, we look at that. We talked about it a little bit earlier with Sam Darnold, but one theme that you're kind of noticing, especially when we're going to see the salary cap go down next year is teams are not going to stick with quarterbacks as long as they did before. It used to be you draft a quarterback in dynasty, if they're a first round pick, like you're guaranteed to get five years of starts out of them. I don't think it's the case anymore. So I look, you look at after I mean, it's not a Joe Burrow podcast, but I think Joe Burrow's firmly a quarter, the quarterback seven in dynasty, just because I'm pretty confident he's going to start for five years. And then you go down the line and it's like Mayfield, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones. I mean, you go down the line, you can question the longevity of almost everybody after that. So I look at Jones and say, probably going to get three more years of starts out of him. And who are you comparing him to that you're guaranteed to get more? So I just look at it that way and say, you know, what did he have? Almost 300 yards rushing in 13 games last year. I mean, if he gives you 400 yards on the ground, I don't see a way that he doesn't deliver low-end quarterback one numbers for three more years. And I'll bank on that, even if he doesn't get a second contract or gets cast out. I think it's very similar to Josh Allen, but, you know, you have one more year on the clock. You know, Allen's going into his third year. Jones is only going into his second. So even if I get Josh Allen, I'm going to get three more years of it until they're having to look to maybe extend him, even if they don't.
1: And he was far from, from bad, if we want to call it that. I mean, he went 24-12 and 12 and had th- 3,000 yards for a rookie in a new offense and only playing 13 games. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but that doesn't mean he can't be a really nice fantasy asset. Like you've mentioned, Nathan, I, I think I think this is what we – what. well, I shouldn't say we. I think this is what random Chicago Bears fans wanted Mitch Trubisky to be. I think he's going to be good enough. I think you're definitely getting full rookie contract starts out of him, kind of like what Scott mentioned. And he's going relatively cheap, which is kind of surprising considering his age and his I mean, honestly, solid fantasy output last year. Yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always chasing quarterback rushing yards like you mentioned Scott. That's a that's free points, honestly. He's he's going to be in that 350 to 450 range whatever it happens to be. And you've got good enough pieces around him where you're at least halfway confident that he's going to be able to take a small step forward. I don't don't think he takes necessarily a huge leap because I don't know that he's got that in him. But I think he's good enough. He's he's relatively polished now where having Saquon Barkley and having Darius Slateman, having Sterling Shepard, those are good enough pieces and good enough players to take a little bit of the weight off of his shoulders. I do think they're going to run Saquon Barkley into the earth's crust, uh, which will be kind of tough, but it, it's going to help Daniel Jones and his progression. So I think he's definitely a buy. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a sophomore star, but he's going to be far from a slump.
0: Yeah. And one of the reasons why I was advocating for Daniel Jones a little bit last year was, you know, the similarly like discounted price tag. He's probably going in like the mid second of most Superflex. Rookie drafts, but also the fact that he has weapons. He's got Evan Ingram, he's got Darius Slayton, who is now emerging, and in uh, your boy, Sterling Shepard as well. And then Saquon Barkley is, you know, probably the best, the second best running back in the NFL. So he has the weapons around him. He has the rushing ability. So there's a lot of positive indicators. I think that the only thing that really ma- like matters long term from a dynasty perspective is his passing ability. Will it get better than what we saw in college? And will it get better than what we saw in? you know, in 2019 with only 61% completion percentage.
2: I think just some actionable advice. If you look at Daniel Jones on your roster and you say, I don't believe in this guy for more than a couple of years, you can say the same thing about Baker Mayfield. You can say the same thing about yeah. Josh Allen. You know, one pivot I think you can make and adding you can get a little profit on top is I look at Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. As long as they are in the NFL, they are probably going to be starters. So I think you can fairly say you're going to get, at least two or three more years of starts out of those three guys, but perception says they're older, so they should be valued less than Daniel Jones, less than Josh Allen, less than Baker Mayfield. So maybe you can pivot off to, but you got to kind of pick your spots. You know, you can't just, you gotta, you got to decide who you're convicted on. If you're not convicted on Daniel Jones, I'd be fine pivoting to Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan and getting a second on top of it or something like that and just walking away and saying, I, I, I put my money where my mouth is.
0: And let's move on to our final team, the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a team that has a lot of wide receivers and they don't really know what they're doing with them. Uh, they have Alshon Jeffrey, who's you know perpetually on the pup. And then we got Jalen Rager and JJ Arcega-Whiteside. I think that the buy here is JJ Arcega-Whiteside. I'm not convinced that he's a bust after, after one season. I think that he's going to get the opportunity to be a wide receiver two this season while Jalen Rager is the wide receiver one. So I, and I'm still a Carson Wentz believer. I still think that he is a very, you know, talented quarterback that is going to support some, some receivers. And if those receivers are going to be uh, JJ Ossica Whiteside and Jalen Rager, then that's good for fantasy.
2: I was over-invested on JJ last year. I had double <laughs> figure shares and, you know, you look at the range of where he was going and the other receivers that were in that range. It was the better outcome would have been basically anybody but him, uh, just from a profit and loss standpoint. But I with you, I mean, He's going outside of the top 80 right now at wide receiver. I mean, some of the names that are going ahead of him, you know, I look at somebody like Antonio Gandhi Golden, fourth round pick this year. And then you look at kind of a similar profile to j Jaw and side by side, they're they're basically the same thing. Yet he's going higher just because, you know, he hasn't had that season where he didn't do anything. So I'm with you. I, even if you don't believe in him at the investment point at this point, I don't see how you can't turn a profit if if he just comes out there and gets playing time. I don't see how you can't sell him for something more than what you paid.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as, as the most likely buy here uh, or at the very least hold. It's definitely not the time to be selling. Jalen Rager is, is I, I mean, he's got a real, real, real good shot at being the wide receiver wide receiver one out of this class. Uh, I think he got a perfect landing spot. I think he is going to be the wide receiver one in this offense for a decent amount of time until they reinvest and bring in another body, uh, a la the Dallas Cowboys. But <laughs> in the uh, in the meantime, I mean, it, it's it's his world, and hopefully, honestly, hopefully Carson Wentz can stay healthy because when he's been on the field, he's definitely been good enough to support these you know fantasy wide receivers. He can do it. It's we just got to keep him on the field, you know. And I'm not too worried. I was all, I'm always an Alshon Jeffrey guy, but I'm not worried about Alshon Jeffrey. He's 30. He, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and God knows how long. So at this point, I mean, it's, it's all aboard the, the Jalen Rager train. And, and I really hope that our second white side gets his opportunity because I did like what I saw in college. I thought the landing spot was just about perfect. And, we just didn't get it. You know, last year was kind of weird for some wide receivers. You look at a guy like Paris Campbell that also didn't really get any love. So uh, I, I think, I think, I think Jay jaw, like Scott said, I think he's, he's in that perfect spot where he's cheap enough and any, any one play, any one game, you know, whether it's a game or half a season, it's going to be free profit. And I I will say one thing that probably doesn't make much sense as as I'm saying it,
0: but if you're invested in J.Jaw, go look at Dallas Goddard because if J-Jaw busts, Dallas Goddard is going to get 100 targets. <laughs> so, uh, if if somebody's going to benefit from J-Jaw busting, it's going to be Dallas Goddard because he's going to become the de facto wide receiver too. I like that. I like that. Which he's more expensive than J-Jaw, so it doesn't make sense for him to be the handcuff. But in a way, he is.
2: Oh, I'm going to ask you guys about Dallas Goddard though. Is there is there a chance that Zach Ertz outlasts Dallas Goddard in Philly? And Dallas Goddard comes up for a contract extension and they're saying, you know what, uh, maybe we'll let him walk. Because, I mean, he's older than people think. He'll be 28 when he hits free agency. And I just don't see them moving on with Ertz on as soon as everyone thinks. I mean, I think Ertz is going to be there for two more years, which is going to run right up into Goddard's free agency year. So I just think there's a, there, there's a chance that, you know, Goddard's a great buy. I think he's tight end nine or tight end ten at this point. Anytime it gets cleared, whether it's Ertz leaving or he moves teams, his value is going to shoot way up. So he's still a good investment point, and he's a player that you can play right now. But I'm just kind of wondering, everyone just assumes he's going to be the future with the Eagles, and I don't really know about that. I think there's a chance he goes somewhere else and is the future there.
0: I mean, I, I would take it either way, but I, the way the NFL is these days, rarely are they taking the older player when it's talking about, okay, do I give the older player the new, the new contract or the new, or the younger player the new contract?
1: The the ertz bit might end up being the quote unquote hometown discount, so he can stay and doesn't have to you know move cities and you know he, he's not a young pup anymore. I'm sure he's got the whole family thing to to worry about. That that kind of stuff honestly matters, but what doesn't matter is where Dallas Goddard plays because he's going to be a tight end one being valued at like that tight end eight to ten range. Again, free value because no matter what happens, whether it's ertz retiring or leaving or goddard switching teams he's uh, almost instantly top five yeah almost instantly
0: all right that should wrap up the show for today make sure to go to rotoviz.com you just got yourself a rotoviz subscription rotoviz.com and your promo code 2020 rv radio uh before we hit out scott uh what do you want to plug for us before we leave
2: yeah thanks for having me on guys uh definitely just want to plug Uh, I write at DLF, have a podcast, Dynasty and Chill. I have another FFPC high stakes podcast called Chasing the Helmet that drops every single weekend. And that's really it. Those three things and uh, Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. Thanks for
1: having me on. For sure. Any last words, Daniel? Thanks for being here, Scott. I'm happy to have you. I was happy to have you on. Uh, If you folks get in a league with Scott, if you get infuriated like I do, just remember that he's better than you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <know> <laughs> all righty that'll wrap us up for this week we'll talk to you guys next week Ka-do.